to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And today we're going to look at verses 4 to 6. A couple of things I forgot to mention. Next week we're going to have that, uh, this Wednesday we're going to have that prayer. It's for all ages. So the youth group, everyone will be together as we uh, come together and pray. Um, so it'll be for all ages. Uh, even the younger kids can pray with us and, as well. And then on the 23rd, Lord willing, of May, we're going to have, uh, for those who are interested in learning more about the church, a membership orientation after church on the 23rd, uh, a meal will be provided for you. And so on May 23rd after church, it's a week before Memorial Day, um, we're going to have um, our uh, membership orientation for those who want to know more about the church. And speaking of that, the question is this. Why in the world are there so many Christian denominations in the world? You ever think about that for a moment? I mean, you go down our well, Bradley Road as you come into our house, you're going to find a house of prayer. You're going to find a missionary Baptist church. You're going to find another Pentecostal church. And then you're going to find a Pikes Peak Christian church. All on the same road. I mean, that's incredible when you think about it. Uh, it. Why in the world are there so many Christian denominations out there, if you, if you think about that? Well, let me give you three quick reasons why they are, and then, and then go right into the passage here. The first one is churches are made up of people. What does that mean? People are stubborn. They want their own way. They want things, I mean, I heard of a Baptist missionary that got trapped on an island all by himself. They came and rescued him. They found three tents. They go, why do you have three tents? He goes, well, the first tent is where I live. The second tent is where I used to go to church. And now the third tent is where I go to church now. <laughs> Couldn't even get along with himself. People are made up of what? Churches are made up of people. And people don't get along. And so that's why you have denominations. Here's another thing. There are legitimate disagreements on secondary issues out there. You go to some churches, they love the Lord, but their mode of baptism is different. They believe in sprinkling. We believe in immersion. There are differences in that. And so there's secondary issues that are legitimate. We have to uh, talk about them. And yet, so because of them, people uh, separate from one another. There are different issues out there other than the gospel that causes people to separate from one another. And, and rightly so. Do we sprinkle? Do we immerse? Do we do different things? Well, we'll get to that in a moment here. And then... People are from different cultures and like to express their faith in their own distinct ways. This is interesting here. I remember in Alabama, I went into an African-American church. And I, I, you know, and here I am sitting in it, and I'll never forget the sermon. I'll never forget the sermon the rest of my life. You know why? Because it was only a few words. And here's what the pastor said. I'm not going to keep, I only got a few words for you. You got to choose God. And he just kept saying that. You got to choose him. You got to choose God. And then the choir starts singing in the back. As he's just saying, you got to choose God. And all of a sudden, he goes, mm -hmm. 
You got to choose God. I would love to preach in one another. Wouldn't that be funny? You, know, you got to choose God. And all of a sudden the choir just starts going, you know, and everyone rocking back. Yeah, I mean, that's a different culture. We did that here. We'd have half the church next week. They walk out. You see that pastor? All he said is you got to choose God. And he had the choir singing in the back. We ain't going back. We're going somewhere else. Different culture. Go to Argentina. It's a different culture. They kiss one another when they see each other. Well, now because of COVID, that somebody you would kiss one. Try that here. <laughs> Try it. Go kiss Bob after the service. Go ahead. <laughs> Bob's looking at me like, no way. Please, could you pick anybody else? Yeah, give, give Bob a nice smooch. And some of them in Argentina would use their lips. I mean, really kiss you. Wet kisses. Nasty. You sit there and you're like, they come up to you, men on men. And I'm like, wow, we, well, we got to do this for the love of the Lord. We came back to the States and we were visiting churches and I forgot all about that. You don't kiss here. And I'm walking around kissing everyone in the church. And then I realized midway through, wait a minute, I'm in America. I'm not in Argentina. And I wonder why everyone's looking at me like I'm nuts. The offering went down 20%. But anyway, let's go on. The question is this, why can't we agree on anything? And I'm here to tell you today that our church, by God's grace, accepts all denominations. All of them. We accept ones, fives, tens, twenties, fifties. We'll even accept hundreds. Amen? You do that one was coming, right? That was a bad one. That was Rob gave me that one last night. Thank you for that one. I like that one. But really, what... Why can't we get along? Why can't we agree on anything? And when Paul writes this passage, he's going to tell us this. One person said this, and I love this. In essentials, we need unity. In non-essentials, we need liberty. But in all things, we need what? Charity. In the essentials, we need unity. There are certain things that we can't say, all right, you got your way, I got my way, we're both right. No, one of us is wrong. In the essentials, we need unity. What are the essentials? We're going to see here in a moment. In the non-essentials, we need liberty. Okay, you like that style? You, you want this style? That's okay. We'll give liberty there. But in all things, we need what? Charity, love. We need to love one another. And he mentions in this passage seven essentials. Seven essentials that should unite us. And, and, and here's the problem. What people have done in this world and what believers have done, they said, you know what? Doctrine divides us. Doctrine really divides us. So here's what we need to do. We need to put aside the Bible and we just need to love one another. That's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say, just put aside the Bible and just get along. No, he says, unity is going to be based on these seven doctrines. We are going to have this in common. We are going to unite over these truths. These are essentials. In fact, if you're in a church that doesn't preach these essentials, run. Because these are biblical. He's going to mention the word, if you notice in verses 4 to 6, the word one seven times. I, I love the word one, and I love the number one. Why? Because the number one represents unity. Katie had a birthday yesterday. We are one flesh. You know what that means? All her gifts are mine. <laughs> I love it. 
That's why I buy her gifts that I know I would like. We are one flesh. We are one. We are united. There is unity. He doesn't say there's two, three, four of these. He said there's one of these. One. Seven of them. One of them as we go through. Notice as we're about to study this passage that Jesus Christ is in the center of the seven of them. And so he's going to mention three and then he's going to mention who Jesus is and then he's going to mention three more because Jesus Christ is the center of it all. And so there's one, one, one. We're going to see unity and these are the doctrines that bring us together. Remember, he, he, already, he already said we need to preserve the unity. We've got to do all we can to maintain the unity that the Spirit of God gives us. But how do we do that? We unite on doctrine, on truth of the Scriptures. Notice what there is here in Ephesians 4, 4, as we go through this passage real quick. Notice this here. He says, he says there's one body. And what is he talking about when he's one body? Well, when we mentioned the church, we mentioned that the church is God's kingdom. We are fellow citizens. As he talks about that in Ephesians chapter 2, it's God's household. We are a family. He also mentions how the church is God's temple. We are building blocks. We are the actual dwelling place of, of God. And now he's going to talk about how we are God's body. There's only one body. We are members of one another. So when he says one body, what he is talking about in this passage of Scripture is the universal church. The body of Christ is not limited to Whitefield Community Bible Church. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here. There are genuine believers outside of this place. Amen? Thank God, right? I'm having to be a very small place. And here's what he's saying here. We are part of something a lot bigger than where we are right now. And we are one body, the reference, and we can fellowship with genuine believers of any culture and of any church that really believes in Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. Right now, Chalmer is not here today because he's up in Wyoming, that's one mistake, with, um, with Gideons. Now, I don't know if you've met Gideons, but they come from all over the place. There's some Gideons that hang from the rafters. There's some Gideons that do other different things. There are some Gideons that are really... One Gideon walked in here one time and he goes, I'm a millionaire! I said, really? I'm a millionaire spiritually, amen? I got no money, but I'm a millionaire! Guy was a nutshell, I'm a millionaire! We had other Gideons come last year. They looked like they were pallbearers on a funeral plate. They had this dark suits on, ties. They were walking around with no smile. We looked like we, everyone was dead. Gideons are all over the map. But yet, if they believe in Jesus Christ and put their trust, Chalmer right now is having genuine fellowship with them. He's saying we're one body. And we need to think of ourselves as not just something of a small part, but something of a bigger part. And we have different backgrounds, we have different gifts, we have different functions, but we are one body. And we need to be connected to one another. And the local church is the expression of the universal church. And a body, just like our body, if I cut my arm off, it's not going to function if it's not connected to the body. We need to be connected. 
So he's saying here, I want you to unite over this and understand that there's genuine fellowship, knowing that you are one body and that you're part of something bigger than just where you are right now. Notice the next thing here. Not only one body, but we're one spirit. There's only one spirit. Now let me say this. We know and we talked about this last week that the spirit is a unifying force of unity. But there's something that gets in the way of unity. And you know what that is? The flesh. And I want to show you something. Look at this here for a moment. I don't know if you ever studied the works of the flesh, but Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. Look at this passage with me for a moment. The works of the flesh destroy unity. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, and notice how he starts off. He starts off by talking about sexual sins, immorality, impurity, sensuality. When we, when we came to the church here, in 2015, our first year here, we had nine cases of immorality. Nine. I thought we walked into Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'll tell you, I sat there at my desk watching couples come and, and confess unbelievable. So you would never even imagine some of the sins and the destruction that it caused upon the families. Sexual sins destroy unity. And the works of the flesh, he starts it off right there. Look at some of the other things that destroy un uh, unity. Idolatry. Going after other gods. Living for money destroys unity. Sorcery. Know that word there? That's drugs, by the way. Having a drug addict father, I could never understand growing up while my father chose drugs over me. But he did. And when he tried to get his life right, it was too late. He wound up dying of drugs. Sorcery. And then there's other works of the flesh. Hatred and strife and jealousy and, and outbursts of anger and disputes. And we can go on and on. So the, so the question is this. How, how, why is one spirit so important? Well, here's why. Because in the same passage, he says this. Walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. We have help by God's grace. We have help so there's unity. We have the Spirit of God and we need to submit to the Spirit of God and walk in unison with the Spirit of God day by day and that will promote unity. He says, walk in the Spirit and you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. We have one Spirit one spirit that give, gave us life, one spirit that gives us access to the Father, one spirit that gives us gifts in the church, one spirit that seals us until the day of redemption. One spirit. Notice what else we have. Look at this. One hope of your calling. Somebody was to ask you today, what hope do you have? Well, you know what a Buddha would say? Here's what a Buddha would say. I have hope that one day I'm going to be released from this body and go into nothingness. Isn't that exciting? That's not my hope. You know what a Hindu would tell you if you said, what hope do you have? A Hindu would tell you this. I got hope that I am going to be reincarnated one day. You know, I love when people tell me that. You know why? Because I ask them this. Have you eaten a hamburger lately? And they say, yeah, I had a hamburger lately. You just ate your great aunt. You don't believe in reincarnation. Come on. They really don't. But reincarnation, that's their hope. You talk to a Mormon, you want to know what their hope is? 
Their hope is one day when they die, they're going to go to a planet, they're going to populate the planet, and they're going to have their own planet and all that. You have that hope? I don't. Jehovah Witness has a hope of a new earth, a new, a, a new earth and be a bliss upon this earth. And if they're good enough, they may get there. That's their hope. That's not our hope. A Muslim has, has hope if they're good enough, maybe. By the way, the word Muslim means what? Submit to Allah. They deny the Trinity. They deny Jesus Christ. They deny that he died on the cross and was buried and rose again. They deny everything about him. They say, oh, he's a nice guy, but he's not this. It's like you saying about me. Yeah, Jeremy's 6'6". Six, six. He's a little chubby and he's handsome. Well, only two out of three are right. Amen? Not even. I'll let that sink in for a moment. He's 6'6", six, six, a little chubby and handsome. Two out of three are right. And yet they talk about Jesus. They say he's this, this, and this. And they're not right. They miss it. And so what is their hope? Our hope of our calling. Here's where we miss this. We all have one hope of our calling. What is our hope of our calling? We understand that our calling, when we accept Jesus Christ, what happens to somebody? They become redeemed. Now they're forgiven of their sins. They become regenerated. They have new life. They're justified before God. They're adopted into the family. But it doesn't stop there. There is a future hope. You say, what is that future hope? Look at 1 John with me for a moment. The future aspect of our hope, 1 John 3, 1. I love this. See how great a love, behold what great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? The children of God. That is wonderful in itself. Think about that for a moment. We're God's children. And that'll never change. That is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But it doesn't stop there. He says, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Now, verse two. Beloved, now that we are children of God, it has not appeared as yet what we will be. I want you to think about that for a moment. What we will be. How are we going to be when we are in heaven? How is it going to be? We could sing the songs, the river with no fish, amen? We got, we got songs. But what will we be like? And it says right here in the passage, notice this here. It says, we know that when he appears, we will be what? Like him. Like him. Because we will see him just as he is. We will have Bodies that are transformed by the grace of God. That is our physical future salvation that is coming in the future. Salvation does not just stop right with being adopted, to being re re redeemed, forgiven, and uh, regenerated, and all that. It doesn't stop there. We will be in heaven, and our hope is that one day we're going to see Jesus as he is, and we will be like Jesus. Do you have that hope? I don't have a hope of one day just being released from this body. I definitely don't want to come back again reincarnated. Now, if I did, what would I like to be? I'd like to be a horse. A racehorse. I want to win some. I've always wanted to be fast. And I never was. Wouldn't that be fun? I could be a racehorse. 
Nah, maybe not. I reincarnate. I definitely don't have that hope. I have the hope of what? Seeing Jesus one day and having a body like his. Now, here's what's important. What Paul is saying, this should unite us. We may be different in this. We may be different in that. We may be different in this. But we are all together on our one hope. Our one hope of our calling. Notice what else we have here. And notice what it says in 1 John 3.3. 3, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, not only do we have one hope, we have one what? Lord. Now, don't miss this because this is in the center and this is everything that we are about. Who we say Jesus is. Everything is rises and falls on that. Who do we believe Jesus is? And we say that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. And when we call him Lord, we are calling him God. We are calling him the only way to heaven. We exist through him and we live for him. And he is Lord in the center of our lives. And there's only one Lord. He doesn't complicate things. People say, you got your God, I got my God, and one day we'll all go to heaven. No, there's only one Lord. One name given to us under heaven, whereby we must be saved. One. That's it. And he is everything. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the center of our lives. And we cannot be saved without him being what? He is Lord. He is supreme. He is King. One Lord. One Jesus Christ. It's amazing how people call him a good prophet, a good teacher, this and that. He is Lord, the Alpha and the Omega, and the center of it all. Notice this. How do I get to that Lord? There's only one way. Here it is. There's only one faith. Notice what 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says. Yet unto us, but there's what in God and Father, from whom all things, and we exist for Him, and there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all things, and we exist through Him. One Lord. And how do we get to that Lord? One faith. Now, here's where we miss it. Because a lot of people, when they talk about faith, they talk about temporal faith. And let me tell you what temporal faith is. Faith, temporal faith, is faith for things that are passing away. You ask them, do you believe in God? Of course I believe in God. I trust in Him. I'm sick and God's going to help me and I got faith in Him. Or I need finances. God's going to help me. I got faith in Him. Or I'm looking to get married one day. God, I got faith in Him. Or I'm looking to stay married one day. So I got faith in God. And so it's all about what? Temporal things. That's not faith that saves people. That is a faith that leads people to hell. There is a saving faith and a saving faith is complete reliance in Jesus Christ alone. And guess how many faiths there are? There are one faith. There's one faith. That's it. And that faith must be placed in the object, Jesus Christ. And I love the word there, alone. Because if we add anything to that, our faith is not in Jesus Christ. The moment we add any work, you name it, add anything. I read my Bible, I got baptized, I go to church. Anything in it, it's not saving faith because it's not in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It is faith in Him alone. How are you saved? Look at this. It says here, Since indeed God will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. 
somebody asks you, how'd you get, how are you going to heaven one day? Faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. We have one faith. One faith. Not only that, we have one baptism. And somebody says, wait a minute. Is he talking about water baptism here? Well, no. Here's what he's talking about. Notice this here. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which joins all believers to Christ and unites them within the church, Christ's body. Notice what it says here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into what? One body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Now, here's this is an important verse. What happens the moment somebody is saved? The moment somebody is saved, they are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Does it matter what nationality they are? No, whether Jews or Greeks. Does it matter how much money they have? No, whether slaves or free. None of that. No one is more spiritual because they're a certain nationality. No one is more spiritual because they have certain more money than somebody else. But notice this here in verse 13. I love this verse. We were all made to drink of what? One spirit. And here's where we've missed it because there's a lot of places that say you need this kind of spirit and that kind of spirit and they put an unhealthy emphasis of in the Holy Spirit and on the Holy Spirit. Listen, we are all made to drink of the same spirit. We all have spiritual blessings because of Jesus Christ. And here's what he's saying here. There is one baptism. When we accept Jesus Christ, we are baptized into the body of Christ. Now, water baptism symbolizes that. But I've said it, and I'll say it again. When somebody gets water baptized, what happens? They go into the water a sinner, and they come out what? A, sinner. a wet sinner. <laughs> but an obedient sinner. But you're still a sinner. Wet. But when you come into Jesus Christ, when you're saved, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body, and now we all drink of the same Spirit. We all get the blessings of the Spirit. Yes. Nobody is super spiritual because they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you just need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be super spiritual. You've missed it. We've all been baptized with the Spirit of God. It's one baptism of the Spirit. And then, if that isn't great enough, look at this. There is one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Now, don't miss this. God is sovereign. He is over all. He is over all. We can trust in Him. He is transcendent. He is over all. When Solomon built the temple, he said, God, how can I build a building that contains you? You are over all. He's over all. You know what God is? This is amazing. He's operating through us to accomplish His will. He's through all. He's working in us to accomplish what He wants. And you want to know something else that's wonderful? God is residing in all. He's talking about believers here. And He's saying, what can unite us? We need to understand that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He is in us. He's in all. 
She's saying, this is what you have for unity. What you have for unity. Notice again what we have for unity. We have one body. We have one spirit. We have one hope. We have one Lord. We have one faith. We have one baptism. And we have one God and Father. Those things are essential. And yet, we still miss it. We had a family come in here for about a year. And we had the membership orientation. I always get a little nervous when we have the membership orientation. That stirs the pot a little bit. And we had the membership orientation. And in the membership class, I make this statement. I say, you know what? We can agree to disagree without being disagreeable. We can agree to disagree without being disagreeable. And so this person then filled out the membership application, which is, if they wanted to do that, they could afterwards. And... After filling out the membership application, they put on there, how do you get saved? And in that, in the part where we ask, how do you get saved? The person put, salvation is a journey. And you got to take steps. And I said to him, once you get to step two, you missed it. It's one step. You accept Christ, period. That's it. It's not a journey. It's not like we're hoping to get, we're going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. So then I'll never forget what the person said. He said, but you said we can agree to disagree. I said, yeah, but not on that. Pretty important to be saved, to be a member here. I said, why don't we have a Bible study and talk about it more? No, I don't want to talk about it more. I'm out of here. They were gone. How sad is that? And yet, you know what the temptation is as a, as a pastor and as a church to say, oh, okay, you believe it's a journey? You're fine. I believe it's this way. We're fine. We're a community church. Let's just all get together and unite. No, it's not like that. There are essentials of the faith. And Paul doesn't say, okay, there's leeway here. We can agree to disagree here. He says, no, you need to unite over it. These things should excite you, not divide you. You should be excited that it's one body, one universal body, and we get a privilege of expressing that through our, our local body. We should get excited about that. We should get excited that there's one spirit. We praise God. and that 50, There's one spirit of God that, that energizes us and allows for that union. We can walk in it. That's it. It should excite us and unite us that there's one hope of our calling. That one day these bodies will be transformed and we'll be with Jesus forever. That should unite us, not divide us. It should unite us that there's one Lord. Only one Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't, he doesn't complicate things. There's only one Lord, and his name is Jesus Christ. It should excite us and unite us that there's only one way to that Lord, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. It should unite us, not divide us, that there's only one baptism. It's amazing how that has divided many churches. But if we were to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that we all can drink of the Holy Spirit, and nobody's more spiritual than others because of the baptism of the and it should unite us, not divide us, that there's one God and Father. And you know what that God and Father is doing? He's above all. He's over all. He is sovereign. We can trust in Him. He's working in each one of us. That's exciting. Accomplishing his will. And he is with us and never will leave us nor forsake us. 
we can talk about predestination against free will. Wouldn't that be exciting? We could talk about what style of music we should listen to, what Bible version. Let's fight over dress and all that. Is that what God wants? In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity. We love that brother that's carrying the NIV. We pray for him. We pray to get right with God. We love that brother that listens to that music that's off the wall. And you're like, how in the world do they worship God with do that? I'm dancing and ready to kill five people and they're worshiping God. All right, we love that brother through that. We, we, we love that brother that, that may not exactly uh, think the way we think and do the thing. We love that brother that, that believes in free will, total free will, and misses the sovereignty of God. One day they'll figure it out. Or I like what Chuck Swindoll once said. You know, he has a brother in the ministry, and his brother's Pentecostal. And Chuck Swindoll says, one day my brother will figure it out. And then he said this, maybe I'm the one that'll figure it out. Maybe I'm the one that's been wrong and he was right the whole time. Wouldn't that be something, huh? One last illustration, I love it. The Pentecostal gets to heaven and gets to the gates of heaven. Hallelujah, praise God! Hey, Pete, I'm here! Hallelujah! People, shh! Keep your voice down! What's the matter, Pete? Hallelujah, I'm here! I'm made to praise God! Pete, shh! Pete, shh! Quiet! All right. The Baptists think they're the only ones here. Hurry up. <laughs> what biblical truths unite you to other believers? Because no matter how different we are, we need to come back to what brings us together. And remember that. And praise God we're different, but we're all part of the same body. Let's pray. Our Father, as we look around the world and even drive down the streets, we see four or five different churches. And they all have their little petty issues. Even this church does. And Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged today to have fellowship with those who are genuine believers based on the things that really unite us. No, we're not supposed to Put away doctrine so that we can all get together. That's not what you want. You want us to unite over biblical truth. And so, Lord, we're asking you to help us to do that. Help us to realize what a privilege it is to be part of one body, the universal body of Christ. And how this church is an expression of that universal body. Thank you so much for that. Help us to realize how blessed we are that together as believers we have one spirit. One spirit that unifies us. We're so thankful for the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body. How we drink of the Holy Spirit. That we, that we get our gifts, our empowerment. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. We praise you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Lord, that we have one hope of our calling. 
That salvation doesn't just stop when we get saved and that all of a sudden we're adopted, redeemed, and that's all there is. No, one day we're going to stand in the very presence of your Son. And we shall be like Him. So help us to remember that hope. Help us to remember we have one Lord. His name is Jesus. He came, He died for our sins, He was buried and He rose again. He humbled Himself and left glory. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to remember that there's only one way to Jesus and that's through faith in Him. Reliance in Him alone for salvation, nothing else. Thank you that there's only one spirit baptism. At the moment we are saved, we're baptized into the very body of Christ. Thank you for that. And we thank you most of all that there's only one of you, the God, the Father of us, the one who is over all, the one that is through all, the one that is in all. And so, Lord, as we unite together as a church, as believers, we may agree to disagree on the non-essentials, but God, I pray that you would unite us in the essentials. That in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, we pray, charity. In Jesus' precious name and for his glory, amen. Amen. Won't you stand with us?